Hello, everyone. Welcome to another podcast of these present days. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for speaking to us loud and clear through your word. I thank you, Lord God, for getting us off of our seat and our blessed assurances so that we can get in the midst of things that are happening in the world today. And I thank you, Lord God, for helping us be known as those in this generation who are turning the world upside down. And as we get into the message, the audience will understand why I'm praying for that. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, I I named this Bad News Bears. (laughs) Just because that title is catchy, everybody knows the movie, and all this kind of thing, but bad news seems to travel so fast. Bad news can come can can come in all kinds of forms. It can come in actual news where it's not lies and fake. It's actual disasters and tragedies, or it can be in the form of some fake stuff, or some people that are very pessimistic and hopeless in their understanding of the outlook of life, and they're broadcasting in one way or another, on one platform or another. And we have a lot of people that are able to enter into the arena, into the circle of the conversation, and bring their opinions in, bring their pessimism in, or bring their sometimes depression in there. And it's really sad. You know, it's kind of of like this. Bad news which I said a moment ago, it travels so fast in a fallen world. Seems like it's faster than good news. But bad news is a heart wrecker. If you get too much bad news, it wrecks your heart. And you have to have a way of turning it, flipping it, changing it, something, and not letting it poison you with the toxicity of the hopelessness and despairing negativity that it brings. See, bad news is one of life's least favorite constants. From small to seemingly insignificant tidbits of bad news, such as that which our morning mirror gives us when we wake up, we look at all of the lines on our face from our face-down pillow excursion, (laughs) all the way to the large and seemingly significant outpourings of bad news, such as the war going on in Ukraine and Russia and its attacking of that country and creating a bunch of refugees that are disenfranchised and marginalized and leaving and they're coming over here and our borders are open and that which is a benevolent thing to do but you know are we really set up and capable of those kind of things and so bad news can come in layers and layers um Some significant ones are zero balance in your bank account or it weasels its way into our lives to knock us off balance, you know, if we get some kind of a bad doctor's report. But here's what I'm going to get at. This is what I'm going to do all the way through this podcast is that the Bible says in Isaiah 53, starting in verse 1, who's going to believe our report? And to whom has the hand of the Lord been shown? And so we've seen the hand of the Lord and bringing his son into the world to take our place on the cross, take our sins, our sickness, disease, our pains, 
and by his stripes, we come out the other side healed. And so who's going to believe our report, our report, our report? You know, that's what they use in the news business, you know? People go out and scoop the news, or they get onto certain um, platforms and they uh, download the news that's coming in hot, you know, like a hot ticket. There's somebody on the uh, boots on the ground over in another country or something, and they're getting that fresh news and out in front of everybody else, and they get it out there as bad news, or there's sometimes it's slowed down to a way to where it's prepared, propagandized, um, has an agenda behind it. Um, like maybe just speaking fancifully in a lab somewhere across the globe, somebody developing bio-warfare with some viruses, and they're going to release it. They're going to make it look like an accident. It's going to hit the, the bricks, so to speak, you know, hit the road, hit the street, and it's going to go global on everybody. It's going to shut economies down and businesses down. It's going, and they're going to fan it. The news are going to pick it up and just saying, this is the worst ever. This is, and there's a lot of lies mixed in there. Of course, there's a lot of, of true things because that's what supports the lies and make you keep listening and taking it in. Like people are really dying. And yes, they are. You know, you could, you could have nothing, no virus here whatsoever. I double your money back guarantee this. And the news conspires to go live and to say that we're being invaded by Mars and people would believe it and they would start to have heart palpitations, maybe die of heart attack. Um, they, have, they have written in, 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 in books in the past century about things like this to where an experiment would be uh, planned and prepared, you know, to see if you could get the people to believe this. And it became so realistic and so widespread in belief that they had to stop it and go on the air. And I'm talking about a real occurrence and to say that was just, that that was fiction. It wasn't real. That didn't really happen. Because from those kind of studies and those kind of experiments and accidents, they find that people are very susceptible to things. They're very easily persuaded. Um, but I mean, some people are trying to do, you know, the real news, you know, and maybe there's some of them left, you know, to get the real news out. But above all of that, the real news could be really bad and dark and stuff, or the lying news, the fake news can be just as bad as they need it to be to herd everybody in the herd mentality into the corrals of their propositions and plans and agendas that they're not going public with. They're just doing stuff to, to, to undercut people's wills. You know, bad news, bad news. And so what do we have here? We have the opportunity to choose whose report we're going to believe. Because we're Christians. We are in this world, but not of this world. We are ambassadors. That means we're sent from another place. And we are stationed here for a purpose, for a reason, to advance the kingdom of God, to represent, to be ambassadors that represent the kingdom and God himself. And so this whole topic of bad news is not going to end up with a bad ending. Um, you see, small news, big news, 
It's about time someone stands up to the bully of bad news, because it does bully people. It bullies people, and I don't mean stand up by protesting CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or Breitbart News or whatever the news station or platform it is, but another way of refusing it. You know, just as I mentioned before, that we have been given a choice. Whose report are we going to believe? Right there, he starts off chapter 53, 12 verses long, about our suffering Savior and what he did, what he carried, what he took away, and what was done to him and how brutalized he was and how much God loves us is all right there, and, and we are healed. And also, the shedding of his blood washed away our sins, by the way. Oh, and also, uh, his ascension uh, sent the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit is involved in the recreation of our human spirit. And the full Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, dwell bodily inside of us right now. So we are a piece of work that never even showed up like this on the planet back in Isaiah 53 time. And so if Isaiah 53 is wonderful news and good news, and the gospel actually means good news, and we are better off than that because God's on the inside of us now and he's made promises that he's not, not going to ever fail to keep, well, then we should be vessels of good news in the middle of a sea of bad news. And the problem with that working properly over the centuries that Jesus has been gone before his soon return is that the sea of bad news has gotten into the vessel of good news just like at times in a, when a boat's out in the sea and, and something cracks the side of the hole and water starts to get inside from the ocean into the boat. Well, the boat isn't made to carry the ocean. Uh, the boat is made to um, displace the ocean and have its own place buoying up and down and, and floating above the deep, deep, deep blue sea. So the ocean isn't your enemy unless it gets inside of you. The bad news isn't your enemy, even though we're in a sea of it. You know, we don't need to fight it against it and try to overthrow it and overturn it. Of course, in a perfect world, we, we wouldn't have any of it. But it has to be understood this way. We're living in the end time. Right before Jesus comes, it's going to be like in the days of Noah. And Jesus himself said that. In the days of Noah, it was bad enough for God to kill everybody on the whole planet because of the vast viral infection of sin and perversion and corruption that got all the way down into the children and even the animals. And so he just had eight souls and a bunch of clean animals and kept the people above the earth for just a little bit over a year. And that was, that was serious. I mean, that was very, how bad off do we have to be for God to go to those lengths? Well, I mean, let me ask you this. How messed up are we that God has to allow his son to be brutally molested and murdered? I don't mean molested in a sexual way. I mean molested by going beyond the pale of just tearing a man's body up ripping it apart, and then nailing him to a cross, a quivering mass of flesh and nerve endings. How messed up have we been? I can't, we can't even measure it. I can't even describe it. Hopefully I didn't make you sick to your stomach from what I just said. And so the good news, the good news, the good news is that God loves us so much, he, he took the, he went to the uttermost. He took 
every measure to save our souls in the death of his son. And he gave him, and he got him back. And with him, he got the whole human race back. We are all, on paper, saved by grace through faith. And so this is where we start with the countering of the bad news. Because we're to preach the gospel unto all nations before the end. The gospel is the good news. And in the middle of the good news, we keep afloat because we don't let the bad news inside. And so we can go up and down the swells and we can calm the sea of bad news all around us, but we are going to stand out and stand above and not sink into. You see, even the mention of bad news, you know, like bad news, bad news, what you going to do, what you going to do when it comes... Now, just forget the singing part. But, you know, it, it, it makes the hair on your, on your arm stand up. It gives chills to your spine because we've all been hit with bad news. A loved one, a friend, they passed away. Um, you know, something, you know, bad that we've enjoyed the freedoms of in this world has been outlawed. And it's now you're unable to practice it anymore. Things like that that we've come in contact with recently and just little spurts, and then we regained it back. But it, you know, when, it took, when they took it away, they were experimenting. We know that. They're experimenting on breaking people. They're experimenting on herding people. Herd, you know, like a herd of cattle. They're experimenting on corralling people into a place where they can control the people. And that's the way that it's going. But the good news is that if Jesus sets you free, you're free indeed. And we should know the truth. The truth shall make us free. Incrementally, we're being made free. And what I mean by that, we're not set free. We're being made free. We're being delivered incrementally, little by little, of all the different things that bind us and hold us under. You see, the good news is that if the last four years have taught us Americans anything, it's that the fake news looks and sounds almost and smells almost like the real and can fill us with an emotion, emotional response just as powerfully. But wait, there's even more and better good news, and we have the source. He is, he is God. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We as followers of, followers of Jesus abide underneath the covering of the only source of any news that matters, the infallible truth of the Word of God. That's it. End of story. Mic drop. Jesus is famous for his poetic responses to bad news in the biblical storyline, such as in Luke 8, 40 through 56. I'm going to read to you from the Passion Translation. Just go right straight through it. When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed, for they had been waiting for him to arrive. Just then, a man named Jairus, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet and desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her. A large crowd surrounded him. And in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly 12 years from slow bleeding. Even though she had spent all she had on healers, she was still suffering. Pressing through the crowds, she came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. And in one translation, the other, uh, in the other gospel, Mark Says she said in her heart, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she did it, and he did it. 
Then Jesus, it says in verse 45, suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, someone touched me. Who was it? While they all denied it, Peter pointed out, Master, everyone is touching you, trying to get close to you. The crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled. Jesus replied, yes, but I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me to be healed. And they received their healing. When the woman realized that she couldn't hide any longer. She came out and fell trembling at Jesus' feet before the entire crowd. She declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew if I could just touch even the fringe of your garment, I would be healed. Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me, release your healing. You may go with my peace. Verse 49, while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from Jairus' house and told him, there's no need to bother the master any further. Your daughter has passed away. She's gone. You think that's bad news? See how Jesus responded to this bad news. When Jesus heard this, he turned to Jairus and said, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me and she'll live again. You see, bad news can happen to anybody. It can come at any time. Bad news. And it may not be some politically charged bad news. It may just be that because of the politics, you know, the price of gas went to $25 an ounce. You know, or a bunch of bananas, you know, that weigh about a pound and a half cost $45. I mean, we see places in the, in the Bible where people started eating donkey dung and stuff like this because they couldn't afford to, because it cost too much, to get real food. And then they had none. It was scarce. Verse 50, when Jesus heard this, once again, he turned to Jairus and said, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me and she'll live again. He went right into the teeth of it. The teeth of it was fear. That's how the enemy works. When they arrived at the house, Jesus allowed only Peter, John, and Jacob, along with the child's parents, to go inside. Verse 52, Jesus told those left outside who were sobbing and wailing with grief, stop crying. She's not dead. She's just asleep and, I, and must be awakened. Verse 53, they laughed at him, knowing for certain that she had died. Jesus approached the body took the girl by her hand and called out with a loud voice, My sleeping child, awake, rise up. In verses 55 and 56, instantly her spirit returned to her body and she stood up. And Jesus directed her stunned parents to give her something to eat and ordered them to tell no one what just happened. Wow. This is good news. And when Jesus did this, I, I look at this from a psychological point of view. They went out and they told everybody. The next time he, take, he came this way, he probably couldn't even walk, you know, because... He delivered a man that had a legion, 6,000 demons in him, in this same area. There's the area of the Gadarenes, and you have to cross it by boat. And he just got across this by boat again, and now he's walking up the hill, and he's thronged by the people, met by this, this local priest, and agrees to go to his house, which is up on the other end of the hill, and this woman comes, and it delays him long enough to where the daughter, who was just deathly sick before, is now dead. And how did this crowd get here? Because he told the guy, after he delivered him of 6,000 demons, he said, tell nobody. And so what happens when people are so elated and joyful and re released and free? You tell them you know, not to tell anybody? They can't contain that. And so Jesus, because Jesus didn't mind the crowd, Jesus went... I mean, he came for the crowd. And when he went there, he healed all the people that were there in need of healing. Time and time again, they say that up to, up to 100,000 people that came from 10 cities of the Decapolis around Palestine in Matthew chapter 4, 
the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew 4.23, and it lists some of the nations, the ten nations that they came from, and they came on foot and by donkey and stuff like this with their families, and they say there's about 100,000 people. That's what Bible scholars agree, that that was so thick of a crowd. And it said he healed everybody. You remember in the book of John, it said, if all the works that Jesus did while he was here were to be written down, the books of the earth couldn't contain them. And so we have no understanding, no way to fathom how many people. We get little snippets here and there that we can kind of like get a profile of how he goes about healing, the methodology, the MO. And so he says to her, parents, tell no one. And you know this went everywhere. And good news was being spread. You see, his methodology is akin to a sniper zeroing in on a target. He would take what was meant to be a disappointment or a discouragement and zero in on a target to not only wipe out any chance that this so-called bad news had of becoming anything other than the lie that it was, but on top of this, he called the bluff by demanding that God's unmatched authority and dominion over all things, from small to pretty significant, you know, to bow down to him. Jesus turned any type of bad news into a miracle. Even in his physical absence, we find his disciples doing the same in their own awkward yet effective ways. When Peter and John ran into the lame beggar, it says in Acts chapter 3, one afternoon Peter and John went into the temple for, at verse 1, for the 3 o'clock prayer. I'm going down to verse 8. As they came to the entrance called Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going to worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, Look at us. Expecting a gift, he, they got expectation out of him. He readily gave them his attention. Verse 6, Then Peter said, I don't have money. That's a disappointment. That's The guy who needed money. That's a little bad news, but I'll give you. He, 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 he had a conjunction in here. He went into a different direction, this conjunction between the two thoughts. I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man, and he pulled, as he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. And he went, in, he went in the temple courts with Peter and John. He leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. See, now we can candy coat this God-given ability that is only most needed during times of turmoil and say it needs to be in the hands of the great apostle Paul or in the hands of the apostle Peter and John. But for us, we must simply respond to bad news with hope and prayers and encouragement that things might work out. But we wouldn't be doing the good news of the gospel of Jesus, the full gospel of Jesus, that it deserves wholeheartedly. Romans chapter 15, it says this in verses 18 and 19. I could entertain, this is Paul the Apostle, I'm reading this from the mirror translation, Mirror translation. I could entertain you with all the details of my personal adventures, yet all I desire to communicate is how I actively Christ worked through my work, my words, to grab the attention of the nations. Verse 19. The message, in other words, the good news, was confirmed 
in every sign and miracle in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thus I went full circle from Jerusalem to Erylochrim, proclaiming the good tidings of Christ in its most complete content, context. You see, in John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, the Bible says this in the Passion Translation, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. He didn't say the disciples. He didn't say the apostles. He didn't say the anointed. He said anybody that believes, follows him in faith, believing in him, are going to do the same thing that he did, even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my Father, for I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the Son will show what the Father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. My gosh. You see, the bad news Oftentimes it isn't confronted with the good news, and so it has a run. And it goes pretty far and wide and deep with some people. And a lot of people are preconditioned, you know, like a hypochondriac is preconditioned to look at themselves as, as being sick anytime they feel a, a twinge of, of, of a pain of any sort, or they hear on the bad news that this is flu season, or this is cold season, or... A lot of people are, are going to have problems with the heat. They could get a heat stroke that's coming because of the, the weather change and things like this. And so we kind of tend to, by being used to this being around us all the time, uh, to block it out. But I think we need to do more than that. I think we need to stamp it out with what we say to counter it. Now, we don't have to make a scene. We don't have to stand on a soapbox. I'm talking about, first of all, in your own personal world, in your own personal life. Then as God leaves out on the highways and byways where somebody has succumbed to the bad news and they have tried to survive uh, in their crippled condition uh, because of the crippling news that they received years ago, that actually manifested as a crippling disease and that they have no hope to speak of, that they are counting on ever walking again, so they're begging and stuff. And Jesus could all of a sudden tap you on the heart and say, go give them the good news. Go give them the good news. And you might come back and say, well, I, I don't have any money. And this scripture is going to come back to your mind. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk on your feet because he has set you free. And that's good news coming to you from heaven through me. You see, we just need to understand and not get dumbed down or get to where we are just blocking it out, you know, kind of like the reticular activating uh, a sim, a, a, what do you call it? It's not a sim, It's not a system. Well, I think it is probably. So I think it's a psychological system. We have a reticular, reticular activating system that can block out noises. You know that you live close to an airport or close to a freeway. You don't even notice it for a while. You have people that come from a rural place in the country that have nothing but acres of quiet. And they come out here and they say, "How do you live here?" And you go, "What are you talking about? Can't you hear all the noise?" And you really blocked it out. We need to block out bad news. 
but we need to open our heart and hear ourselves the good news. Because what we put into us, the Bible, the words of God, the good news, the gospel, is going to be bumping around on the inside of us to come out, come out wherever you are and share the good news in a sea that people are drowning in that's full of bad news. We are going to be lifeguards, water walkers. We're going to get to them one way or the other before it's too late. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for um, the support of you give as an audience. And thank you for receiving what God wants you to hear and, and, and embody and embrace today in the name of Jesus. Love you all.